Editors looking for a gig should hop to the end of this video. You are about to listen to frog number two. Play fights plus real fire. If Mother 3 is good at portraying the ease and security of Alec's farm, it is just as good at portraying how quickly everything peaceful can be taken away. But, as usual, I'm getting ahead of myself. Today's gameplay session saw me completing the prologue and beginning chapter 1, which, if any players thought they'd be playfighting with mole crickets for the entirety of Mother 3, the name Chapter 1, Night of the Funeral, strips away that potentiality pretty quickly. Which is why I'd like to bask on Alex's farm for as long as I can. This time, I decided to go back into Alex's house so I could catch a screenshot of Hinawa's response to bumping her chair. Then, I decided to finally go join Klaus in playing with the Dragos. Here, the differences between Lucas and Klaus are on full display. As Lucas snoozed the morning away, Klaus rammed into Dragos over and over, which I guess we have to assume is his idea of fun. However, it seems the Dragos like to play as well, because every time Klaus or Lucas knock a Drago over, it stands for a moment, falls over, then peeks at the boys out of the corner of its eye to see if they're still looking. This is one of those moments where I adore the sprite design of Mother 3. While I can't blame Mother for being a sometimes drab-looking game because it was on the original NES, and I've always loved Earthbound's colorful yet simple graphics, Mother 3 is truly the realized style of Mother, at least in my opinion. The subtle animation of the Drago peeking out from its defeat is just so perfect. The player is shown that this world is peaceful. It is a world where a child can go out into the wilderness and play with a creature over ten times his size. It is a world where the creature itself probably also wanted to just have some fun. Scenes like this are also why I'm kind of glad the game never came out on the Nintendo 64. I feel the graphics would not have aged well at all, whereas good sprite design can be timeless. Uh, I'm just going to add here as a brief aside, uh, I wrote this post very early in uh, the Frog by Frog timeline. It came out on April 25th, 2020, and I've definitely changed my opinions on, on this since then. Uh, I'm now fascinated <laughs> with Earthbound 64, especially its uh, visual style, but I'll talk more about that later. Anyway, then it's Lucas's turn to bat, and while I love the brief fourth wall breaking segment from Alec, I don't know why everyone is always giving Lucas so much trouble for being weak. He's just a child, yet again and again, and especially as the story progresses, his most consistent moniker is Crybaby and Weakling. Even still, it's sweet to see the Drago play fight with Lucas in the same way it did with Klaus. I'll point out here that the Drago the boys are playing with is the Mother Drago, which becomes important later in Chapter 1. Though I'm sure most people reading the blog have already played Mother 3, I'm going to withhold my full commentary about the Dragos for now, as I'd like to do my best to limit my commentary to what I encounter up to each frog. I'm sure I'll break this rule a thousand times, but I have to have standards of some kind. Of course, as the old saying goes, where there is play fighting, there are mole crickets. And after a few Drago knockdowns, one of my favorite characters in the game comes scurrying on to screen. Which, of course, triggers the first official turn-based battle of the game, and one of the sickest, best battle tracks in the game as well. There's not much to say about this first battle outside of the music. 
It has everything a player would expect from the series after playing Earthbound. A psychedelic, groovy background, a turn-based battle system, the rolling health bars at the bottom. One of my favorite visual additions to Mother 3 is that a character pops up above their name as you are selecting their action, as opposed to Earthbound and Mother, where nothing of the sort happened. If they ever remake or re-release these games officially, this is one small change I'd love to see in Earthbound, though I doubt it would ever happen. I love the character designs so much in all three Mother games that I just want to see the characters as much as possible, even if it's just peeking over a little HP box. I really like this first short tutorial battle. Bothersome Guys is such a fast-paced, fun song, which I think matches the energy of the twins. Or, at least, it matches Klaus's energy. I can so easily imagine the feistier twin running circles around the mole cricket, shadowboxing like a riled-up Looney Tune. On the other hand, I can imagine Lucas being more bashful in his approach to the fight, sidestepping the cricket's attacks and gently pushing him back into the grass. I'll also mention that Itoi himself seems to have some sympathy for the mole cricket. Itoi specifically likes the mole cricket's career pivot later in the game, but we'll get to that when we get to it. Uh, I also wanted to quickly add here that Fame Gaming has a video uh, about what happens when you lose to the mole cricket. Uh, there's actually some unique dialogue, there's a unique sprite that you can see, uh, and a few other interesting little things that happen, uh, both in the prologue and later in the game, if you actually lose to the mole cricket here. Uh, just a great example of like, Mother 3, as I'll talk about later in this video, it, it might not have that same level of customization that you're going to see in something like a modern day RPG, but there are still all these little ways that it um, breaks up its own linearity and puts in little surprises for the player to find. So I highly recommend everybody check out the Thane Gaming video. It's called Mother 3 Losing Against the Mole Cricket. I also just want to say it's funny to me because the the prologue is so short that I've always thought, you know, clearly I've seen everything it has to offer. Uh, and yesterday I learned that I still haven't seen everything it has to offer. So don't let Mother 3 fool you. It has more secrets than it, than it uh, lets on. Okay, back to the video. For now, this poor little fella thinks he's so tough, but when Hinawa comes outside to tell the boys it's time for lunch, she steps on the would-be champion fighter and defeats him with ease. I love this on one hand because we get more humorous moments for Hinawa, and also, as Itoi points out, the Mole Cricket's fate is sort of an inversion of Buzzbuzz's fate in Earthbound. Buzzbuzz, a time-traveling bug, though he's not really a bug, fights alongside Ness in the opening segment of Earthbound, protecting him from the Starmen attackers with some powerful PSI moves. Unfortunately, Buzzbuzz is killed easily when Porky's mom swats him down. His fate is not so different than the Mole Crickets. Even though the Mole Cricket's power is just an ideation he has in his mind, both of them are defeated by mothers. Though to be fair, Buzzbuzz's parting words speak of a prophecy and words of encouragement and desperation while the Mole Cricket, promising a rematch someday, says, See you there, bro. You know, I can totally see Klaus becoming excited about the Mole Cricket's bro speak. The red-headed twin probably imagines himself fighting 200 Mole Crickets at once, swatting them aside with ease, as strong as his father. Alec then breaks the fourth wall once again to teach us how to save, 
encouraging folks to talk to frogs whenever they can. Which makes me wonder why exactly Alec gets all the fourth wall breaking moments. It was probably just a decision of convenience, with Alec being Lucas and Klaus's grandfather and Hanawa's father, but I'm also reminded of Itoi's thoughts last week about hands-off parenting. While you could argue that speaking directly to the player isn't exactly hands-off, breaking the fourth wall away from other characters gives Alec a fun little double life. Sometimes he's the goofy, pun-slinging grandpa, other times he's our quiet, helpful guide, whispering us stage directions as the other characters hurry to the next scene. Anyway, I don't want to stay on this too long. I would point out Itoi's intention to approach the game's design from an older man's perspective rather than a child's, but more on that later. It's time to get to lunch. There's not much else to recap about the prologue as it winds down. I love this short scene between the boys and Hinawa, and I've gotta say, I like that a decision as simple as a favorite food gets to play out in a scene like this. Nowadays in video games, and especially RPGs, customization is king. You can customize a character's appearance, their voice, their home, their weapons, the way they talk, the way they run, the way they engage in sexual relations, etc, etc. And yet, in Mother 3, there's something effective and more personal about seeing the characters share a meal that has, really, been decided by me. Yes, it's something as simple and as silly as cabbage, and it only exists as a simple change in the game's text, but it works for me. It's a family eating their favorite food. And I like spending some time with Hanawa outside as she sends her letter to Flint. In general, I know Mother 3 lets go of some of the stuff that made Earthbound special, specifically the openness of the story. Mother 3 is much more linear, especially for the first three chapters, but this has never bothered me. Having a more on-rails experience develops so much character in so little time, and getting to know both Lucas's family and the residents of Tasmalee has huge payoff later in the game. Which isn't to say I won't eventually talk about the main differences in Earthbound's and Mother 3's respective designs, because I think they are significant, but I also think Mother 3 sometimes gets shortchanged in how people view its design. I have heard and read people say that off the bat it isn't as funny as Earthbound, that it's slow, that it just doesn't feel like as much of an adventure. Part of me can't disagree that Earthbound certainly throws you into things and lets you go your own way, within certain parameters to be fair, but I've never found Mother 3 any less charming than anything Earthbound has to offer. Who knows, maybe after Frog by Frog I'll do Phone by Phone and put Earthbound in the hot seat. Anyway, the prologue ends when Hinawa sends her letter away to Flint, tied on the leg of a pigeon. She tells Flint that the boys love the mountain air, that Klaus is as energetic, and Lucas is as mild-mannered as ever. She promises they'll all get up to the mountains soon, and that she'll cook Flint some of his favorite cabbage right away. As the pigeon flies away, the sweet, homely song that had been playing drops in pitch, sounding flat as the shadow of a UFO passes overhead. I've still wondered, though, what is the point of this prologue? 
In the grand scheme of things, you could argue it doesn't really accomplish much. By which I mean, you learn to dash, you learn to save, and you get through an easy fight. All of which you can rush through if you'd like. Certainly, Chapter 1 could accomplish these same things, perhaps even more quickly, with Flint's section of gameplay. We also, in a way, get just as much exposition, if not more, in Chapter 1 for these characters and the world. Even Hanawa's letter to Flint is revisited, where we read it once again in its entirety, which is a pacing decision I always thought was strange. So what's the deal? Well, to me, the prologue accomplishes something that wouldn't have been as effective in simple exposition. This tranquil life in the mountains is also life in most civilized areas of the Nowhere Islands. Alex says to Hinawa that the forest is so safe that the boys could walk home without any kind of adult supervision. This isn't just a weekend getaway to Alex that is peaceful. Life all over the place is this peaceful. Yes, certain Tasmali civilians, as we will learn next chapter, have certain roles, like learning here that Flint and his family are sheep farmers, but this is a peaceful place, and we get to spend a morning in it. You can walk around the farm as much as you'd like with Lucas before you trigger the scene with the Dragos. There is nowhere to go, no objective at all. You can just take it easy. I also think it's important for Lucas as our protagonist. While the first three chapters of the game jump around to various protagonists, Lucas is the character we ultimately spend the most time with. Like I've said, the cast in Mother 3 receives much more characterization than any of the Mother games before it, but Itoi himself has not spoken much about them. He mentions Duster, who I'll talk about more in Chapter 2, and there are some minor characters he has commented on, like the Magipsies and the Mole Cricket, but Itoi himself has never offered much in the way of interpretation for his main main cast. Maybe this goes back to his idea that he wants the game to be a mirror, confirming any read the player might have on a character. Still, I think we need this prologue to understand Lucas. I think we need this prologue to understand how peaceful times were before everything goes up in flames. It's nice to see our future hero when times were simple, and he was literally just a child. I'm reminded of King K's videos about Skyward Sword and Twilight Princess respectively, where he argues that the often derided extended introductions of both these games are actually an opportunity to see what Link's life was like before the main conflict, a chance to see the peaceful life that is later at stake when the evil forces get moving. And while I don't totally agree that the long introductions to either of those games are either necessary or fun, I can appreciate some extra time with my protagonist before things get going. It's nice to see Lucas as the coddled late riser who, though considered weak, still plays with and runs around with his brother. It's equally enjoyable to see Klaus as the loud, active, stronger brother who happily remarks on his favorite foods and loves a good challenge from something as enormous as a drago or as small as a mole cricket. In other words, I think we need the image of Lucas's happy family, however brief it is, so that we understand him just a little better when it all gets taken away.
Who would lock a door in a village as peaceful as ours? Fire, bombs, animals running for their lives. Every sense of serenity we've just previously known is thrown away as this track rips through scenes of the sunshine forest erupting into flames. There's so much I love about the opening to chapter one, I don't even know where to start. I feel like I never know where to start, but I'm gonna do my best. For one, if some of Mother 3's songs use the theme of love as their motif, another set of songs use the pig mask army theme, read the bad guys theme as their central motif, and I think my favorite example of this is in the above track. It's perfect. Fast-paced, frantic, different in style from anything we heard in the prologue. The Nowhere Islands are under attack, and everything from the music to the visuals to the pacing of the scenes gets your heart racing. One small detail I love is seeing Lighter and Fuel in their forest cottage, as we will have to save both of them later. The player sees all sorts of animals running about, which will soon appear as strange chimeras or agitated creatures, as well as men in pig masks throwing bombs that make the entire forest catch fire. Notably, we can see the game's first boss, or at least mini-boss, the reconstructed caribou, and, in typical Mother 3 fashion, the game spares no expense in making an emotional connection to the player. When we see this boss in-game, it will be angry, emitting steam, and trying to kill us. But here, it is scared and frantic, worrying, accompanied by cartoonish sweat droplets. Sadly, the first major enemy in the game is, like the Tasmanian residents, just a victim of something far out of its control. I love this opening so much, it has always stood out to me as such a significant change in tone that it just blows me away every time I see it. The visuals, the music, just how everything lines up together. Every time I see this scene, I feel like I'm seeing it for the first time, and I'm just blown away. Even the use of color is so excellent, I love these bright, saturated reds that just show you this entire forest is burning down. I love the decision to show the ground as red instead of green or a darkened blue for a nighttime grass. Everything is just on fire. Everything is red. The music is just ripping through the scene. There's bombs going off and animals running around. I just... I truly am blown away every time I see this scene, even though it was rendered on a Game Boy Advance. If that doesn't make you sad, I'm sure chapter one will get you before long. This is just the start. Next, we see Thomas in his amazingly animated feet scurrying through town, sounding his siren, which is also such an amazing sound effect to accompany the music. And I know I keep drooling over the introduction to chapter one, but I'm truly floored every time I play this game. 
To me, this intro is that masterpiece level type shit. The buildup is amazing. This is the inciting incident, the we need a hero moment. And Thomas runs past a hopping frog straight up to the hero's door. Though the hero doesn't answer right away. Thomas knocks, knocks, and knocks, and even pulls off Flint's doorknob before the cowboy finally appears. Calm, cool, collected, dependable, Flint answers the door, adjusts his hat, and rises to the occasion. If you were hoping that in Mother 3 you'd finally get to play as a mother, you'll be sadly disappointed. The first character we get to control for an extended amount of time is the father of the story, Flint. I'll write more in-depth about Flint as Chapter 1 unfolds, because it's already been a long time since I've found a save frog, but I like Thomas's comment about Flint as a strong guy who does what he's told. I won't leap too far on this one, but I've wondered if that's a toy poking fun at video games in general, and how, even in narrative-driven games like Mother 3, the player controls the character, making them do whatever they want. Again, I know this is a bit of an interpretive stretch, and I'm not trying to go all metafiction on everybody, uh, but it's a funny thing for Thomas to say. And to be fair, Thomas specifically comments on how, in the Mother series, additional party members don't disappear when they join you, but actually follow right behind you and begin to form a line. I've always loved this joke. So if Thomas can feasibly kind of make a meta joke about the fact that he's walking behind Flint, I don't exactly think it's a far cry that he's making a comment about how players control characters, but that's neither here nor there. Also, Mother 3 and a toy still find some levity even in the face of crisis. Look in the mirror with Flint and it'll tell you, you're looking pretty handsome but this is no time for that. Go talk to Boney, and he'll tell you people are being too noisy. He's just being a good boy and staying in his doghouse. He also gives you your first weapon, a stick. It's sort of funny that Boney, not Flint, ends up being a mainstay in your party later in the game. Yet here we are, seeing his humble beginnings, hiding out in the doghouse. I think Boney is a bit underrated in Mother 3, but I'll talk about him more as well as the game progresses. He does have a moment in Chapter 1 that I think is one of the best parts of the entire game and one of the best sequences of any RPG I've ever played. Man, I just love Mother 3. <laughs> well, if every great adventure starts by taking that first step out your front door, then every great save frog should be just around the corner. And while it might seem that a bunch of stuff happened in Mother 3, I've probably just overwritten. This was only another 11 minutes or so of gameplay, and now things are really heating up. And I still haven't even answered the question of, why save frogs? As for this specific frog, he is one we will be revisiting many times, which is why I'll take this moment to establish a bit of a soft rule for my blog. I'm going to try to never reuse a save frog in a chapter. By which I mean, this specific frog is outside of Lucas's house for the entire game. But if I want to play frog by frog, I'll try to always and only save at a new frog. That said, Chapter 1 has quite a few cutscenes and generally sticks to its own pacing, so I may have to reuse this frog if I've been playing for a pretty long time. Anyway, now the adventure has truly begun. Flint is heading into the Sunshine Forest, Boney is staying behind in his doghouse, Thomas is following because that's what he likes to do. The save frog insists that we give his regards to the next frog we meet, which I promise him I'll do. I love Mother 3, but I don't love making these videos. 
Honestly, this is a blog project and I'm a writer, so I would much rather spend my time writing than assembling things depressingly in iMovie. So, if you are an editor who is familiar with Mother 3, can exceed or mimic the type of video I've made here, and wants to make money, email me at frogbyfrogblog at gmail.com and I'll tell you everything you need to know. Thanks.